Hello. God damn it. What is all this stuff from Zoom? Yes, I know it's being recorded. Yes. There we go. I'm here. Okay. I still have not heard anything from Derek. Surprise, That's surprise. Why I didn't think it would really matter it's, too much. I'm like, we're it's fine. It's been about 11 and a half hours, no response. So I figured we would do Grumpier Old Men, and then if I haven't heard from him by then, we could just roll into uh, The Hunger if you have time for it. Yes, I will. Uh, I need to see where my wife is. Um, yeah, yeah, of course. And, uh, hold on one second. I've got to change my background because we're talking about a different fucking movie now. Moron! Pats! Crankier. If my dog was as ugly as you, I'd shave his ass and teach him to walk backwards. And grumpier than ever before. Come on, let's see what you made of you. Age has not brought them wisdom. Instead, it's brought them something only more, far more desirable. Compliment her on how great she looks. Already got that covered. Let me hear it. Uh, there may be lots of fish in the sea, Maria, but you're the only one I would like to mount over my fireplace. That's not bad. I haven't been with a man for a long time. Me neither. They're not getting older. They're getting luckier. But just when he thought he'd hooked the catch of a lifetime... I think I liked it better before you were getting any. She takes over his favorite bait shop. You should see the sign she put up, honey. Stop moving. If Max could see me now, I'd never live it down. <laughs> Jack Lemmon. Walter Matha. Buonasera, signore. Anne Marble. And Sophia Loret. Buon appetito. Should we ask her for some garlic bread? I'd rather kiss a dead moose's butt. So I'll call you? Grumpier, old man. What do you say we go back to my place? I'll show you my cannelloni. Well, you gotta stick with what works. Yeah, yeah. Can you even see me? I don't know if you can see me. I can. I can see your background and you. Cool. This is high tech shit. That's what this is. Yeah, you're really. <laughs> I love how I can track this via your podcast. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I was talking exactly about? Exactly when this happened. <laughs> yep, yep. What is this show called? Off Screen Death. That's what it's called. So, Dave. Now, all of that's out of the way, and by all of that, I mean our listeners are probably... Things no one else will hear. I've not yes. heard any of it. Uh, <laughs> uh, breaking news. Uh, I had this thought. We delayed uh, The Godfather Part Two, uh, and in its stead is an equal uh, sequel. Which at is, least. Yes. At uh, least. Perhaps better. Grumpier, grumpier Old Men. Uh, and I had to look because I knew that they changed directors because I think I'd made a joke before mm. on another podcast. I believe it was – is it Donald Petrie, the director of Grumpy mm -hmm. Old Men? I only said that uh, not in jest, only in that I admire the mythos of the Grumpy Old Men saga. <laughs> so does my dog or doesn't. Um, <laughs> Howard uh, – is it Deutsch? It is the – Deutsch. The, yes, Howard Deutsch. The uh, father 
of a young lady who I really like from Everybody Wants Some. Oh, Zoe Judge. Oh. Uh, and a man who uh, I believe is still married to Leah Thompson. So that is how those those genes came together and produced a uh, oh, new up-and-comer. Okay. Uh, this man's very lucky. Uh, not only did he make one of the greatest comedies of all time, but, you know, father too. But, but Leah Thompson. And, yeah, ah, there you I went. Mean... I knew I could draw you in, you pervert. <laughs> The man is just spent a whole lifetime winning. Well, well done, sir. Uh, and I think we can include creating grumpier old men to that list of fabulous achievements. I really like this movie. I'm like, shocked by that. Lot. Shocked. <laughs> I thought I would have to drag you I, kicking and screaming with this. So what do you think of the first film? Or do you think at all about the first one? No, I, I like that one, too. I think it's – it, it feels like when that movie came out, it, it, feel like, it felt like a weird – uh, a weird inside joke, you know, having these two who have been the odd couple previously. Oh, we're going to bring them back and essentially do something similar, right? They're not necessarily roommates the whole time, but like there's they're mm-hmm. so close and they live next door that you're like, you know, you're doing that again. Uh, maybe bringing in an older audience. Uh, but I remember seeing Grumpy Old Ben. I think I saw it with my dad. So he kind of fits that audience very well. He's a big fan of kind of everyone involved here. Um, and I was shocked. Shocked at how much I enjoyed the first one. And then I heard there was a sequel coming out and I was like, oh, we're coming. We're going back to that well again. Is there really are there really any more jokes to be made? Is this going to be any good? So I I didn't think this was going to be an enjoyable watch the first time I watched it. But I think I think the two of them together, Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau, are always great. Um, And Sophia Loren, like, good Lord, that is a. Wonderful actress and a good-looking woman at any I age. I hate to break it to you, but Sophia Loren is, according to Rotten Tomatoes, disgusting. Because this movie comes in... Tell me why. It <laughs> comes in at a, a hot 17% on Rotten Tomatoes. 17? <laughs> based on, Come on. Based on only Come on. 18 reviews. So we've, we've not had a lot of the... But there are like two positive <laughs> reviews. Uh, 62% from the audience score, which is, you know, over 50,000. I feel like that's fair. This is like sort of middle of the road entertainment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 17% seems uh, excessively mean. And I'm only yeah. laying the blame at Sophia Loren because she's the new player in this film. She's right, the, right. the uh, added uh, element to a sequel, like bring in a new cast member to liven things up. And to- You don't think it was the focus on Kevin Pollack and Daryl Hannah that like – because I feel like that's the weakest part of the movie. Like yeah, it's just um, because in the first film, you know, I everyone knows this because everyone knows these films. But, you know, the, the first film, uh, Kevin Pollack, Daryl Hannah, they're the uh, progeny – uh, much like uh, uh, Zoe uh, that we talked about from Set It Up here. Um, <laughs> yes. Of our two main characters, and I suppose they are the uh, they're the warmth added to the characters. Like not two old men that hate each other, but it's like, well, maybe they're going to have to put up with each other because their uh, son and their daughter have had this long-standing flirtation as neighbors and. Uh, sure. Here, it does feel very much like an afterthought because it's like, well, we need to have those characters still here, but we—they're not being used as the as the tie that binds here. And I honestly think that I don't know if it's the new director, I don't know, but even the film seems to recognize, like, God damn it, like you know, we we paid Daryl Hannah to show up again, paid Kevin Pollock. <laughs> I guess occasionally yeah, we'll touch base with their <laughs> not marital woes, but wedding planning woes. Like, you know, are they going to actually do it or not? Um, right. I I think that the film is rightfully so far more interested in Sophia Loren 
coming in and giving yes. Walter Matthau as am I. A, uh, yes. a, a, basically a new sparring partner in a way she does replace Jack Lemmon. I mean, they go and yeah. they do the, the comedy montage where they're like playing pranks on each other. Uh, but the film does, I think, smartly <laughs> recognize that, good God, if you're going to continue this out, eventually you, maybe you turn on these two old bastards for like, stop acting like children. <laughs> Just, like, still. One of you is married to Anne <laughs> Margaret now and she's sculpting you in the nude. Uh, you got it pretty good, buddy. So just yeah, with these exactly. children's games. But if Sophia Loren does it, hey, I, that's okay. Yeah, of course, it's yes. okay. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I'm actually glad you brought up that kind of, I guess, like transfer of power going on here, where you move from there is still of them, you know, calling each other names and doing dumb stuff, but it really is focused on her coming into town and you know taking their bait shop and turning it into a ristorante, as they're very fond of saying in this movie. I'll um, fly with you, Dave. That's ah, fine. It's fine. I like a good Italian joke. It's fine. Okay. It's no problem. I was really um, hoping this film would set you off unless, on a Twitter rant, and you would, no, you like, would go back I, and relitigate the <laughs> the qualms of grumpy old men. How dare you? Why are we not talking about this? <laughs> go to uh, the off-screen death account, where Dave will have That's numerous right. tweets saying, we need to talk about grumpy old men, and confuse people. Like, <laughs> yes. do we? Yes? Okay. You do. Who needs to? All right. No, um... Friend of friend of the podcast and co-host of another of your podcast, Jared, has made me kind of immune to Italian jokes because it's just it's constant uh, over text message. So I'm I think I'm I'm fine with it now. But there is a sequence early in the film, uh, right after they've met, and then they kind of almost literally run into each other in the grocery store. And the way that that scene is set up is kind of brilliant because it goes from Walter Matthau yelling at Jack Lemon, who he loves as a friend to yelling at Sophia Loren, who is going to fall in love with. So it's this perfect moment of transfer where it's like, he's treating this guy like garbage and we know that he likes him and he moves to treating her like garbage and then to ogling her as she sways her hips down the aisle. So it's like, it's a, it's a very nice sequence that kind of sets up everything that the movie's going to be. So I was actually really impressed with this movie. Like this could have been like kind of run into the ground very easily, but it's actually a pretty smart little script. Um, it works really well. The only, thing there's only one thing about this movie that kind of it's rough to watch is knowing what Burgess Meredith was going through when he was filming this like he was going through Alzheimer's at this point so they're kind of feeding him the lines and it's still I mean you could that's how you know that like some people are just great performers because he he obviously according to this like he doesn't really know exactly what's going on but that performance is so funny it's so enjoyable. Like every time he shows up on screen, like I just have the biggest smile because him, especially him and uh, Lemon together are just fantastic. Like there's a lot of good working, re- like working relationships in this movie as far as actors. Obviously, Lemon and Matthau, we know they work together and Margaret's a little bit sidelined. But when she's there, there's some great moments with her. And obviously, Sophia Loren and Matthau have this like amazing chemistry together. Like anytime they're in a scene together, like you, you do really feel that sexual chemistry, like more sexual chemistry than you feel Which with a lot of like young Hollywood actors. It is, like, it is Walter they've got it. Right, right. Not exactly, you know, Mr. Sex Appeal, even in his youth. That really wasn't his role. So, but it really works here. And I like that they give Sophia Loren someone to play off at, in every sequence, not just Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon, but, you know, the, the woman who's playing her mother. Um, I, I like all the scenes with them, too. Like, is it one big, long Italian joke? Yes. Uh, is it funny? Also, yes. Like, I just had a great time watching this. I was very surprised at how much this held up on rewatch. Because I don't think I've watched this since, like, 
95. Like, since this came oh, out, see, I probably haven't a, watched this. This is so. a repeat watch for me. And I, I, I mean, I have some um, not personal ties to the filmmakers uh, as much as I would like to meet uh, young Zoe, I guess. If I could just learn to pr- how to pronounce her last name. Uh, Dooch. Dooch. It doesn't sound appealing. <laughs> I don't know. I don't like the way that sounds. That is not a great stage name. Uh, maybe Thompson. You know, maybe take your mother's mm, name there. Yes. Zoe Thompson. That is a um, nice name. That's, yeah. But. What are you thinking, Zoe? My, uh, my granny loved uh, these movies. She loved uh, Walter Matthau mm. and Jack Lemmon in particular. Um, I don't know if she was into The Odd Couple Part 2 or Out to Sea, which they started really <laughs> – after the success of Grumpy Old Men, they really started, like, throwing those out there. And I read that that contributed to the lack of a, uh, a trilogy in this universe because those other films did not <laughs> succeed. Uh, hold on one right, moment. Right, right. I'm going to now remove my dog from the premises. <laughs> Evict. <laughs> Hey, Pop. Shush. Huh? He's here. We're catfish hunter? He's by the sandbar. You know that damn fish is older than I am? Thanks. <laughs> hmm. What the, what the hell is this? What, that's light beer. Gee, I weigh 90 goddamn pounds and you bring me this slopping foam? <laughs> Ariel's got me on a diet because the doc said my cholesterol's a little too high. Well, let me tell you something now, Johnny. Last Thursday, I turned 95 years old. Yeah. And I never exercised a day of my life. Huh. Every morning, I wake up and I smoke a cigarette. And then I eat five strips of bacon. And for lunch, I eat a bacon sandwich. And for a midday snack... Bacon. Bacon, a whole damn plate. And I usually drink my dinner. Now, according to all of them flat-belly experts, I should have took a dirt nap like 30 years ago. But each year comes and goes, and I'm still here. (laughs) And they keep dying. Sometimes I wonder, God forgot about me. <laughs> it just goes to show you, huh? What? Huh? Goes to show you what? Well, it just goes, what the hell are you talking about? Well, you said you drink beer, you eat bacon, and you smoke cigarettes, and you outlive most of the experts. Yeah? I thought maybe there's a moral. No, there ain't no moral. I just... Like that story. <clears throat> That's all. In fairness to him, he did have to pee. So, um, oh, well. Yeah. That's understandable. Uh, I'd be upset I had to tell too. him to keep his comments uh, along with the other 17 percenters on Rotten Tomatoes about this great <laughs> American film to himself. Um, there's a dog in this movie, right? It's Yes. I think had yes. much worse yes. luck than my adopted dog who, you know. I mean, he did get to tear ass through that house and destroy some stuff. So, But his name is fun. Lucky? Right? Yes, yes, I think that's and, right. Yes, yeah, yes. other things. Uh, boy, they really play that up. Uh, that, that is true to life. Um, I was talking about my granny uh, and her love of this, but uh, even my uh, <clears throat> sometimes beloved pit bull, uh, his little write-up was, I've not had the best start in life, but I'm looking for my friend. <laughs> now he is. He's ruining my podcast. Uh, my empire, <laughs> so to speak. Um, but, yeah, I um, I think my wife was – more in line with you as far as her 
uh, expertise or lack thereof of the grumpy old men uh, cinematic universe. Uh, whereas I knew lines that were coming, uh, I can still hear my granny, her cackle. She mm. had a very loud, like abrupt laugh. Uh, and she would often cry. If she laughed at all, she would like laugh herself to tears. Like it was that sort mm. of like, mm-hmm. there was uh, an infectious enthusiasm. And the, the scene in particular nice. that always got her was, uh, you said Anne Margaret was kind of sidelined. I actually think that she plays the homestead about as well as you can in those usual thankless parts. I agree. Because she's the mm-hmm. voice of the audience, like, cut the shit, basically. She's the one saying, <laughs> yes. enough of this. Um, and she That was cute last time. Can we right. wrap it up, yeah, guys? She, it's kind of yeah. meta. She's uh, saying we've got to elevate our game here with the yep. sequel. Um, she kicks Jack Lemmon out of the house. Uh, he then goes next door and... Uh, basically camps with Walter Matthau, who lives in all manner of sort of ill repute sandwiches in the couch. And uh, he does offer to share. I felt like, okay, that's personal growth. Nice. Um, But when he initially comes and knocks on Walter Matthau's window, he says, I'm cold. Like, you know, he's playing the the elements against Walter Matthau. Like, please let me have shelter for the night. And he opens the window uh, and says, here's some matches. Set yourself on fire. And my granny (laughs) would... cackle every uh, time at that like that's a meme good is, line yeah. it's funny <laughs> i like a good me i mean it's like it makes me think of things like a show you finally got me to watch succession mm, yeah. or things like um me. always sunny in philadelphia <laughs> all, those, all the awards and recognition <laughs> i don't listen to those idiots only you michael zeniston like finally. well I, that is actually true because what you said was like I can't believe you in particular have not watched this. Like, this feels like a show made yeah. for you. Uh, and I'm halfway through the first season. It's fantastic. There are no likable characters, and I love it. Um, and this this even, has even a little bit of that. Greg, I find him kind of, I find him likable. Oh, God. I think he's the least likable. Really? I think this dumpy idiot, shut up. Just be sidelined, will you? <laughs> you are probably a shiv man, is what I'm guessing. That is correct. <laughs> I know he is absolutely <laughs> my favorite. Team that is Cousin correct. Greg. Whenever we, we do our uh, episode by episode succession uh, show, it will just be a de- debate between Shiv and Cousin Greg, which is like the least sexy combination of all time. Uh, I include Walter Matthau here. You know, I, I didn't because my dog was barking. I didn't. I had my mic muted. Uh, but uh, as much as we're saying that he's, and I think the film kind of plays into it. Like, good God, this Sophia Loren has just fallen into his lap in this town. Like, you'd have to be a complete fucking idiot to try to chase her away. Um, in fairness to him, he didn't really age that poorly. He actually looks very similar to how he did in the 70s. Um, yeah. <laughs> he's always had that sort of hang dog kind of look. Uh, yeah. Great, it's a perfect description. Great yes. comedic face. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think this is one where, you know... I. I, I joked about Godfather 2, but I actually, I, I'm genuine when I say this is one of the better sequels. And yeah. a lot of it is Sophia Loren. A lot of it is, mm-hmm. it's not one note about watch these two uh, old men battle it out. Um, there's there's a lot of <laughs> really bad movies that have kind of, I guess, are like nephews, nieces to this. Where it's like, uh, even De Niro's mm-hmm. done it. Like, didn't he do like a... One where he's like Zac Efron's like pervy grandpa. Yeah, that yeah, sort yeah. of There's yeah. a lot of them. Yeah. And I I don't know what the Rotten Tomatoes score were for those those films. Um, I feel like Giant. Probably higher than 17. Giant Knoxville's got one where he's just in the old man makeup from the, like Jackass and all that. But there's a a sweetness and there is a, a limit. There's like a bar that they, a line, I guess I should say, that they won't cross. 
where it's like, yeah, you know, these guys are slightly mean to each other, almost in like a college roommate sense, but there's mm-hmm. not a cruelty to, to what they no. do to each other. And that's like, you know, there's a, there's a little bit of just playtime. It's like, it's two dogs. Like, <laughs> like it looks like they're playing rough, but they're not really hurting each other. Yeah. And I could see why critics, and I can't imagine what like letterbox or film Twitter would think of this, but I would think that the, uh, the common refrain was like, well, this is just not funny. And it actually makes me sad. And like I said, I, you know, the personal touch, I remember that, uh, my granny who was, you know, age appropriate for these characters mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's like do we have to have everything like especially when it comes to comedy it's like if it doesn't appeal to the cutting edge or like the younger demographic right. then it's like hokum it's like trash and right i don't really know why that is because and i hate you know we're you know i'm almost 40 you've, you've already reached that uh that flew past that <laughs> flew past like years ago flying into death that's what james <laughs> doing <laughs> but into off-screen I death yes we're that's at, why we're here we're also at the age where it's like we're far enough removed from the younger crowd especially on film twitter where it's like you know eventually the things that you find greatly amusing and uh you know you don't know how it could ever be topped it's going to be looked at as hokey and i say that you know grumpy old men was never never edgy material but I feel like it's no. these type of films that get unnecessarily trashed in some way uh, because yeah. their 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 reach uh, is not impressive enough to reviewers. And it's like, well, yeah, you could get into some, I guess, weird territory here, but to what end? Like, why? You know, it wouldn't be true to these characters and these people that supposedly they're right. playing. They're not going to be cutting edge. <laughs> and I think, like, there's room for hokum. It's fine. Like, I... I was just looking at, like, this movie apparently made, like, almost $80 million at the box office Hell on, yeah. like, a $20 million budget. <laughs> what a what a better time. As I was watching this, I kind of, like, obviously I remember that the original Grumpy Old Ben is, in essence, a bit of a romantic comedy, right? And so is this. But this movie does something that's actually really impressive. So one of the complaints that I think about rom-coms is that it doesn't show what happens after... After they come together, right? And it's just like, okay, everyone's happy. But what happens when you're living together? What happens when the person who you were competing against is still there? And this movie kind of answers those questions for these characters in a really satisfying way. And I was very, very surprised by that. Like I said, I really think the only weakness of this movie is the younger couple. But I do like, I don't know how you feel about it, but I really like the twist at the end of this movie. I think it's really sweet. About, you know, them actually, they've eloped, that's all taken care of, and now you get to get married. Maybe the wedding's a little quick, uh, but they seem happy about it. Hey, so man. I really, I think when it's really Walter sweet. Walter Matthau's age. No time to waste. <laughs> get I'm to it. I'm getting in Sophia Loren's panties. I am definitely going to do that mm-hmm. right now. Uh, and thank God, I guess they have an older generation that's even quicker with it because I, I did, unfortunately, as I'm watching it, wonder how that sort of super cut of <laughs> Burgess Meredith coming on to uh, anyone in his sight with all the sort of double entendres. How, <laughs> Amazing. how that play? And it's like, I don't know. I mean. Oh, they would have hated it. They would know, Mike, if this came out today, it would have been like, let's talk about grumpier old men and rape culture. I guarantee you that would have been the headline. Maybe of Burgess this. is just like, you know, it's just like his 
OnlyFans super real. It's like you know, that's just like <laughs> it was amazing. I would have watched another like twenty minutes of that. Like I was just and I that's something I kind of missed that a lot of comedies don't do anymore is the like blooper reel that's like in the credits. Like I I was like that if anything's gonna get me to stay for the credits, forget a like Marvel Cinematic Universe like hidden scene in the middle and at the end. No no, give me give me like people riffing. Through the credits, I'll stay to see who the the grip was then, and people will be happy because I've paid the right amount of respect to the below the line workers. Like, give me that. That was so enjoyable to me. The spot I have, um, have we used Ebert before? No, I don't think, I don't so. think we now, have. Uh, granted, I don't have a lot to pull from on Rotten Tomatoes because you know there's only uh, it's only eighteen, 18 or and whatever. a lot of them the headlines are missing. So it's like I don't know if those are broken links. I have no idea. But uh, Ebert, a uh, little off base here, or he just didn't know how bad things were going to get because, you know, obviously he's he's passed a number of years ago. Uh, his splat was, this is, of course, a big screen sitcom. And in fact, I would love to see this material transplanted to the TV screen where it belongs. Oh, Mr. Ebert. Oh, the bird. <laughs> you don't know what was going to happen uh, to your, you know, yeah. theatrical experience. You know, we've got Dune appearing mm-hmm. uh, on mm-hmm. HBO uh, let me say, uh, spoiler for Dave, I was so grateful for that because that's the only way I got my wife to watch Dune. Uh, and I don't know if you've kept up with my letterbox reviews, but uh, I loved it. I loved it. my experience. With really? It. Yes, yes, I greatly enjoyed oh. it. Uh, and I probably could not, even with all the glowing reviews, probably could not have been talked into going, especially with her, to go mm-hmm. sit in the theater. So oh, there no. it is. You know, TV sometimes win because that is not oh, my wheelhouse. I am. That sci-fi Mike, fantasy. This just, mm. this just made my mm-hmm. week. This is fantastic. This wonderful. and grumpy old men. You're just, you know. <laughs> yeah, just the same. And I think, you know, before we wrap up, I think I just want to let you know as a little spoiler for our next episode or an episode coming up. This is not the only time Ebert gets it wrong. Uh, uh, we're, okay. we're gonna we're gonna get to another movie, and and this is the great thing about Roger Ebert, right? This is how you know you're a great writer is that even though he said something insulting about a movie I like very much, I would I would read the hell out of that review. Because he's that good. Uh, But he does, you know, he misses some. And I think, I don't know, like, I am definitely a person who kind of treasures the theatrical experience and wants to wants to do that. I saw Dune on the biggest, most expensive screen possible. So Denis Villeneuve will be happy with me and not you. Um, But I I think you could be too precious with this. It's like, oh, this doesn't belong in a theatrical. This would be much better on a uh, TV show. Like, it's like this is a fun escapist moment of a rom-com, of a buddy comedy, and it's all wrapped into one. And it's just like, I don't know how you watch this, especially in 1995, and don't just, like, walk out going, well, that was a good time. I got it. It's exactly what it plans to be. And I always love when a movie kind of knows what it is. Not every movie has to be Vertigo, right? Or Lawrence of Arabia. It it just has to be what it wants to be. And this is a good buddy comedy and a great rom-com and just like a fun time out. Like I can't imagine not, not enjoying this. I just spoke very highly of Dune, so not to, you know, immediately <laughs> throw it back under the bus. <laughs> but what is it about? Uh, weird, fancy sci-fi shit. Uh, and I think Dune qualifies for that because most people, including myself, yes. do not read the book. More than almost anything else. So they only are aware of it as some sort of idea of something that's never been that successful uh, as far as translated <laughs> to screen. And it's something that they're often told, don't attempt to read the book because it'll bore you to death. Like that, There's so many warning signs with Dune. Um, but <laughs> I have never told anyone not to read the book. You should read the book. It's great. Yeah. But continue. Yeah, I, I, 
<laughs> I attempted to. Listen to the audiobook. There's a great audiobook. You're on Libby. It's free. It'll only take 100 hours you know, of your life okay, or whatever. I was about It'll be to fine. say, look, Dave, I really enjoyed this version of it. I don't need more Dune in my life. However, <laughs> I, did, You're getting I it. did find myself. I just watched. I just finished today uh, while I was on break at work. I've been watching over the last couple of days. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Holderaski's. Is that how you say his name? I even watched the uh, thing. Jodorowsky, yeah. Three different speakers pronounced his name completely yeah. differently. I don't think and anyone knows. It's fine. Uh, very pleasant guy. I still haven't watched that. Oh, I still haven't watched good. that. He's a, he's a, That's he's what I've heard. Yeah. Um, I watched that, mm. and I have David Lynch's Dune on my queue. Just out of curiosity. Uh, now you look. I'm telling you, man. I ain't going to read that book. I was like, I'm going I'm to watch these disasters. Um, good Good luck with that. Good luck getting through that. It's a, it's a lot. But there is a cute pug in that movie, so you got that to lean right. on. Well, so, so what is it about? We'll give as many you know swings at the bat for something that is supposedly mm-hmm. unfilmable. Uh, you have a great filmmaker, David Lynch, uh, who didn't succeed there. Even you, I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. su- I'm assuming someone who's a huge fan of David Lynch, you're sort of like yep. getting squeamish. At the it's thought. his only. It's his only bad. He movie. He doesn't like that movie. You know, he's disappointed. He's right. Um, <laughs> what is it about that genre where it's like even in failure, this d- deserves to have as much runway as possible to have all this mm. world building mm. uh because i feel like with fantasy films people just want to live in that world for a brief time yeah. brief in the sense of like lord of the rings where it's a trilogy of like three hour movies but what is it about <laughs> a comedy like grumpy old men and say what you want about the sequel but it seems like the first one was, was a success where mm-hmm. can the common man not just want to be like i'd like to hang out with those characters again if i was given the opportunity like Keep mm. your out to sea. Keep Odd Couple Part 2. I want to hang out with these characters that Math and Lemon are playing. And you're going to throw in Sophia Loren. What is it about that where it's like, this seems mm. like a cash grab. This is cheap. This is sitcomish, As opposed <laughs> to all of the failed sort of big <laughs> A movie we've made four yes, times yes. and we're doing it again. How is that not a cash grab? Well, I think there's two things going on. One, and we've I, I'm sure we've talked about this before because I hammer on this point on almost any podcast I do that's about a comedy is people disrespect comedies. And they're just like, ugh, Even it's HBO. just a comedy. It's throwaway. Did you see the yes. recent thing in the news yes. today? Um, so they, so they're proudly saying, uh, you know, all the Warner Brothers, the big movies – are going to go back to the theaters. Like, unfortunately for <laughs> the Matrix Resurrections, I guess it's the last one under their agreement with the internet. I don't feel like there's nothing mm. in writing. Why does the Matrix have to premiere on HBO except <laughs> their agreement with the? It's internet. like you released a oh, teaser no. saying this is what nothing we're going to do. You, you're right. not beholden to us, do it. I don't know if they're afraid of backlash. No. I don't know, but they have said. Uh, so Warner Brothers kind of on average is like around 19 to 20 movies that they've released in years prior. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a mixture of big budget spect- spectacle. And then you have. Oh, this like of- half of them are going to be day and date and half of them are just going to be theatrical. I think it's even the, worse. The next half year. of them will be going to theaters exclusively and all of the. And he even said, uh, I can't remember which executive, uh, the comedies. Look, comedies have been like sort of out of step financially for theater goers for some time. So those will be going to HBO max exclusive. Oof. So it's like, they've already said, okay, certain genres. So now we are, we are right there on what, you know, you and I've said for years, as far as like the Marvel mm-hmm. movies, we can enjoy some of them. Uh, some we don't. It's like, so now this is what we have wrought here. Where it's the theater going experience is reserved mm-hmm. for spectacle. 
and the biggest screen possible, mm-hmm. and then stuff like you know. I mean, I've literally been saying this for and now, years. And now, that this now is what's going to happen. And this here is our we business are. plan, and it's like, yeah, we yeah. fucking deserve this. Right. Well, you and yeah, I don't deserve we, this, but yeah, the nation, the, the world, the idiot common people, <laughs> they, they deserve that. This will really get me it's on weird get how me on their side. We've used That's... the same terminology where I've said, you know, even the common man deserves a grumpy old man sequel, and now you're saying those common idiots, <laughs> those idiots. Um, so you have that the disrespect that comedies get and i also think and there's some truth in this that like i don't know how much like immediate rewatchability a comedy has right there's like the shock of humor and then when you rewatch it maybe it's you don't have the same impact right whereas things like science fiction i will be very honest with you as you know big science fiction fan was kind of raised on science fiction and fantasy when i started to read when i was a kid and those are some of my favorite movies um most of them are big swings and misses. Like, they just are. Um, but when they hit, boy, do they hit. And they end up being intensely rewatchable. And, like, if you're going – if you're a studio and you want the Marvel experience, right? You want the, like, crazy super fans who are going to come watch this nine times. You're not going to get that with grumpier old men. You can get that with something like Doom. Because uh, if it's done well and people connect with it – they're going to come back and see it. And the other flip side of that is sometimes you get Blade Runner 2049, uh, where like people are like, well, I respect that movie very much and I will never watch it again. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Villeneuve. Uh, I will be going home now. This movie is too long. Um, so you get both ends of it, but you have much better chance of this hitting. That was hitting. an impression <laughs> of me, by the way. Uh, and it looks like, yes, yes, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but Dune, I think it sounds like, at least with the initial reactions, we're getting that kind of obsessive fan reaction. And the thing that's been interesting to me is it's not just people who are big fans of the book. Like a lot of the people I talked to who loved it, never read the book and the world building really worked for them. So I think those, those are the two things going on with that. I did look up grumpy old men, 63% the original. Wow. What a drop 50% drop. God, people are rough. I mean, like, I don't know. That's uh that's getting down to those Eternals level Rotten Tomatoes uh, scores. Ooh, so. there we go. I like that. Cattiness <laughs> coming out. Uh, that is our current uh, best picture, best director champion producing mm-hmm. uh, shit, mm-hmm. even for Marvel, uh, according to the review. That's right. I don't know. That's right. What is? By the way, I've forgotten completely. What is our uh, – is there a connection to Grumpier Old Men and uh, anything that's happening right now? Or is it just like Mike wants to watch Grumpier Old Men? Yes. That's my answer. Okay. Uh, the All only connection I have is that uh, this has, and I will get it up as soon as possible, but at the very least for this weekend, uh, the grand gesture for the couple that we did not want in this film, the younger couple, uh, happens during mm. trick-or-treating. Ah, okay. So this is your, your Halloween And such was my reference. lack of faith in Dune that I didn't even bother tying into it because I was like, that thing's going to bomb and it's going to stink. <laughs> And now it's, no, now it's one of my favorite is, movies of the year. Yeah. This is just you pushing away Lawrence of Arabia. We all know why this happened. So, yes. can keep that one on the shelf. Uh, all right. Once go. again. Trick-or-treating with Mike. Because I know, I know this show will end the day that Mike watches Lawrence of Arabia. So he just keeps pushing it aside. Just right on down the road. I'm not done podcasting My revenge yet. is uh, not only do you not get to talk about Lawrence of Arabia, 
but you have to watch Kevin Pollack be smooth uh, by removing his uh, did I his uh, costume, <laughs> his head, uh, with his puppy dog Ugh. eyes to Daryl Hannah. Already, yeah, horrible. Yeah, horrible. Yeah. Where's Sophia Loren? The question I'm asking of every movie, even when I'm she's me, not Dave. in it. It's my that's Zoom right. background. That's right. I know. That's why I'm not making eye contact with you. It's great. I'm I just, just looking that right was behind anyway. your right shoulder. Yeah. yeah well, uh, fair enough. Fair enough. I, you know, I am. Uh, I'm no better than the old perverts in this movie. Uh, I do want to say that the picture that I used was when she's seducing Walter Matthau in the bar and rubbing like ice water in her cleavage. But you can't see it because I'm blocking her cleavage. Somehow I am doing it. Move, move. Oh, there we. Oh, okay. Yeah, we need to log off. I'm gonna <laughs> cue the music. I'll show you my beefy baloney. How would you like my bony macaroni? Or my fatty alfredo? Or my hard salami? I got them all.